slow and drinking fast I was lost inside a painting on a wall A pretty baby with a cigarette Was looking for a place to ash Stumbling toward the voices down the hall Hey, welcome back to the Most Accurate Podcast. I'm Anthony Stalter, joined as always by 444.com Senior Editor John Paulson, and this is the first podcast of the new season, I guess you could say. It's the, it's the off-season approach, and with free agency pretty much wound down. There's some bigger names that are available right now, but before the draft, John and I figured out it's a perfect time to do the podcast. How you doing today, John? I'm doing good, Anthony. How are you doing? Are you, have you recovered from the uh, from the Super Bowl? You know what? No, no. Um, you you even asked me. Well, full full disclosure here. You asked me, do you want to bring up the Super Bowl at all? <laughs> and I said, I I think we have to. And really, it was a it was a bad postseason for the most accurate podcast because yeah, yeah. regular listeners know that John is a massive Green Bay Packer fan, and I am a massive Atlanta Falcons fan. My Falcons kind of steamrolled the Packers mm-hmm. in the NFC Championship game, and then. Uh, as everybody want, everybody reminded me yesterday. Yesterday, because it was March twenty eighth, the Falcons blew a twenty eight to three lead uh, mm. in the Super Bowl. So to answer your question, no, I I hate football, and uh, <laughs> I I like I like you, so that's why I'm doing this podcast. But you're just gonna have to carry this thing because I have nothing. I I have no idea what's going on because I haven't been paying attention to the NFL. Well, that's uh that's a fair approach, and I don't blame you. I felt the same way after the uh, Seahawks beat the Packers uh, in in excruciating fact- fashion a few years back, and uh, I actually was rooting for the Patriots in the the following Super Bowl uh, to beat the Seahawks because I didn't want the Seahawks to win after beating us the way they did. Sure, but this but this year with the Packers losing pretty badly to the Falcons. The Falcons were clearly the the better team. Um, I was definitely rooting for them against the Patriots, and then I was witness to it uh, completely falling apart. It was I can't imagine being that close to a Super Bowl after all those years and um, and not getting it. So that's rough. I, f- well, I felt I, for you. I got a, I got a couple. I got three things here, and then we'll then we'll move on very quickly. But are you a fan of the Hunger Games, the series? Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. Okay, so if you know the Hunger Games, I my wife and I really we we enjoy the the movies. It felt like watch it in that fourth quarter. It felt like the Hunger Games, where like the game masters they didn't uh-huh. like the way the game was going, yeah. so they just kind of invented all these different ways, uh, like Julian Edelman's catch, where they like I felt mm-hmm. like somebody held up the football for him. To, to secure that grab. And the football gods were just basically like, yeah, we don't like the way this is going. So every single thing that could possibly go wrong for the Falcons is going to go wrong in that, in that fourth quarter. Uh, just like how the game masters in the Hunger Games kind of <laughs> figure out a way to go. So that, that was, that like was it. one. Thing. The other thing is, so I was, I, and, and people that have watched their favorite teams play in any type of title game, I was drinking, you know? Uh-huh, so. Yeah, yeah. How, this is how it basically went for me. I was watch. I'm, I'm watching the game. I'm doing some pregame. I'm excited and nervous, so I'm drinking kind of fast. Mm-hmm. The Falcons start scoring fast, so now I'm more excited. I'm drinking more fast. Mm-hmm. And then when the game started to unravel, of course you're drinking faster again because you don't know how it's going to end. So basically, <laughs> I was I was the biggest useless waste of crap 
<laughs> that following day, and I had to get on a uh, my sports radio show and talk about the game mm. hungover. So it's just just an absolute uh, just an that's absolute a, disaster. That's a train wreck right there. It is. It is, and a lot of people blame Kyle Shanahan, and I get that. I understand that, but I'll tell you what, man. I think that defense too, which played so well. I mean, I've never seen Tom Brady look so disoriented uh, mm-hmm. in the first half. I just think the defense was gassed. The Falcon, the offense was scoring too quickly. The defense was on the field too much. A lot of, like I said, a lot of people are like, "Well, the Falcons collapsed, or was it more the Patriots?" I think it's, I think it's much, much more complicated than that. I just think the defense just completely ran. They had nothing left in the tank, and if you can't get after Brady, he's going to pick you apart. Yeah, I think uh, when when the Packers lost to the Seahawks, everything that could go wrong went wrong in the last yes. I don't know two or two or three minutes, right? Absolutely. Um, I think you could say the same thing that everything that could go wrong went wrong for the Falcons in that last quarter, and and everything just it just was a, a snowball effect uh, to the point where they had no energy on defense, and then uh, Shanahan trying to put the nail in the coffin by passing the ball when he probably should have ran it, and. Uh, Matt Ryan taking that sack. It's just the list goes on and on. So let's not rehash it all. <laughs> we'll move on. Uh, it was therapeutic, though. I appreciate you allowing me to talk about it a little bit, John. Oh, so let's talk about – actually, let's get to the, the music before we dive into free agency. Who brought us in today? Yeah, this is a the second appearance. There's a few bands that have appeared on the Most Accurate Podcast playlist on Spotify uh, and on the podcast itself twice. This is uh, the second song by Dawes. Uh, the, the name of the track is When the Tequila Runs Out. It's the seventh track on their 2016 album, uh, We're All Gonna Die. So, uh, be sure to check that out. The, 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 the podcast playlist is available on Spotify, the most, uh, most accurate podcast. If you search for that, uh, you can always find it on the website as well. If you go, there's a, there's a link to it, uh, within the podcast post. What we're going to do today is we're going to go, we're going to go position by position, starting with the quarterbacks. In free agency, talk about the players that have either signed new deals with their current teams or signed new deals elsewhere and then get into some unique situations like we're going to do with Tony Romo. And again, we'll just go position by position. Let's start off with the signal callers. Tyrod Taylor is going to stay in Buffalo on a restructured deal. Now, Buffalo will have to make a decision at the end of the year whether or not to keep Tyrod Taylor in place. But, John, we know we know in 2017 that Taylor is going to be a – Buffalo Bill. What's your take on him staying in Buffalo and talk a little bit about LaShawn McCoy and Sammy Watkins as well with this move? Yeah, this is, uh, you know, this is the, the situation that I was closely monitoring this. I was most interested to see where, where Tyrod Taylor landed. And, you know, it looked like for a while there that he was going to be on the outs. He might land in Cleveland, uh, with Hugh Jackson and, uh, could, could land elsewhere, but he ended up staying in Buffalo and, and, you know, last two years on a, on a per game basis, he has produced uh, top eight quarterback numbers fantasy wise. Um, you know, he's not the greatest real world uh, thrower in the league, but given all he can do with his legs in the running game, uh, even with Sammy Watkins uh, dinged up last year in and out of the lineup uh, playing when he wasn't 100%, Taylor still managed to, to produce uh, strong uh, QB one numbers. So, uh, he's currently going in the 12th round. He's the 20th or something quarterback off the board. And I think he's just a fantastic value for those owners who are going to want to wait on the position and uh, rack up uh, the running backs and the receivers, and maybe a tight end in the first uh, 10 or 11 rounds. I mean, he's going to be my primary target. Now, I'm not totally confident that they're going to have enough receivers for him because they lost Robert Woods, who was pretty capable 
uh, wide receiver two for them. Uh, Marquise Goodwin uh, left as well. He's got good speed. Um, so they, they're going to have to replace those guys. They did sign a couple guys. Nobody, Andre Holmes from the, uh, from Oakland, uh, who's got some size, uh, in the red zone. Uh, he could, he could help out, uh, Corey, uh, Brown, who I prefer to call Philly Brown, which is a much cooler, <laughs> cooler name. Uh, he's okay as well, too. I, I'm expecting the Bills to, uh, draft a, a receiver or two. Um, and if they get a couple good ones, then, uh, then, then Taylor is going to be that much, uh, better pick, uh, value wise in, in fantasy drafts. Yeah, this time of year, anything that a GM or a head coach says in the NFL, you can basically expect the exact opposite. And Sean McDermott, who's the new head coach in Buffalo, he said recently that he believes that the number two wide receiver is on the Bills roster. I think he's full mm. of crap, and uh, I'm with you, John. I think the Bills wind up drafting a quarter, uh, drafting a wide receiver, excuse me, at some point uh, next month. Let's talk about the Tony Romo situation, and, and this took another odd turn yesterday, and no surprise, because Jerry Jones continues to talk, so there's going to be twists and turns along the way. Jones said that his deadline now for a Tony Romo decision is training camp. Now, he could be buff, buff, uh, buffing, bluffing right now, and, and maybe the the Cowboys trade him at the at the deadline at the um the draft or something like that. But the speculation, John, the assumption is that Romo's either gonna wind up in Houston or Denver. Do you like either one of those spots more than the other for Tony Romo? Well, I like the the receivers in Denver a little better. The offensive line's a problem because Romo uh is fragile and needs needs good protection. Uh, he's not gonna, he's not gonna necessarily last the entire season in Denver. He may not last the entire season in, in Houston either. Uh, but that, Houston's a good a spot for him too, because I think Bill, Bill O'Brien's a good coach. He does a good job with quarterbacks. And even though the Brock Osweiler, uh, situation fell apart, uh, they've got DeAndre Hopkins there, Will Fuller. Um, they've got a decent running game there with Lamar Miller and a good defense. I think that is probably the best spot for him, uh, in terms of his health and then ability to, to take a team to the playoffs and, and do well. It doesn't sound like Denver is that interested, uh, anymore, but they could just be playing coy, uh, waiting to pounce on Romo if he's, uh, you know, on the trade block officially. So, uh, I think if he does, uh, go to Denver, you're looking at him as a high end QB2. Uh, while he's playing, I think, you know, as you, if you're looking at him as somebody you're going to draft, uh, as your primary quarterback, I think it's a little risky because he's so fragile. I think Houston, uh, he would be a, sort of a mid-range QB two. It's been a while since he's, he's played and, um, you know, they're, they're not quite the offensive, uh, uh, the passing game's not quite as good there in, in Houston as it is in, uh, in Denver. The Bears have moved on from Jay Cutler. They released him. We'll get to him in a second, but they signed Mike Glennon, and everybody was shocked. I, I don't know why everybody's shocked with the, the price tag for a, for a Mike Glennon. Quarterbacks are going to make a lot of money, John, but uh, Glennon doesn't have a lot of experience. He's going to be the starting quarterback now in Chicago. No Alshon Jeffrey anymore. They're going to have to rely on Kevin White. Maybe they draft somebody as well to go along with that, that wide receiving core that also features guys like uh, Cameron Meredith. So do you like Glennon, the, the move in Chicago? How does that impact, impact the fantasy football drafts moving forward? Well, well, no, yeah, I don't like Glennon in terms of a fantasy, uh, 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 prospect or whatever, but it's, it's possible that he could go in there and, and kind of, uh, get it going. In 18 starts, he's averaged 217 yards, 1.6 touchdowns, which is not bad. 0.8 interceptions, not bad. Uh, 6.56 yards per attempt, not very good. That's 13.6 fantasy points per game, not very good. 
Uh, that's about what Trevor Simeon uh, posted last year. Uh, 13 of those starts came as a rookie and rookie quarterbacks are, as you know, not very good generally. So that's, you know, he did, he did pretty well as a rookie, all things considered. And that's why he's getting this chance to, to start for the bears. Uh, he could work his way into uh, the streaming conversation uh, if he gets off to a hot start, but you know, losing Jeffrey doesn't help. They did add Marcus Wheaton, um, Eddie Royal is still there, I think. Uh, and they added Kendall Wright as well uh, in free agency. So they're, they're, they're trying to do some things in the receiving game uh, to account for the loss of Jeffrey. Uh, it just doesn't, isn't shaping up to be a very good pass offense in, in Chicago. And we could say the same thing about San Francisco. Let's talk about the 49ers. At the start of the offseason, many people believed that maybe Kirk Cousins would wind up in San Francisco with his former OC, Kyle Shanahan. Instead, it is Brian Hoyer who winds up in San Francisco, another former quarterback for Kyle Shanahan, and the 49ers also signed Brian Hoyer, or um, excuse me, Matt Barkley. Maybe the 49ers draft their heir apparent uh, at, at at quarterback, but for now, Brian Hoyer is going to be, be the guy in San Francisco. That's a depleted roster, John, as I've ever seen. Yeah, uh, for Hoyer, I think Hoyer, uh, well, we'll see how quickly Kyle Shanahan can turn this around, if he can turn it around. Uh, they had a pretty good little stint in Cleveland. Um, Hoyer and, uh, Shanahan, they were seven and four at one point after, uh, winning at Atlanta, by the way, in November 23rd, uh, 2014. Uh, so if you, if you just look at Hoyer, though, is, he's, Got 25 games where he's attempted at least 25 passes. Uh, he's a 12 and 13 record in those games. He's averaged 268 yards passing, about 60% uh, completion, uh, 1.48 touchdown, 0.84 interceptions, uh, 15.1 fantasy points per game. So a little better than Mike Glennon. So you're kind of looking at the same type of, uh, situation, uh, as Glennon. Maybe, uh, you know, they're going to be trailing quite a bit. Are they going to have to throw more than they, you know, Shanahan would like? Uh, does Shanahan uh, accelerate the the turnaround there, and, and the the offense starts to play play pretty well? Uh, Hoyer is not not terrible, and he could be you know uh, be put into a, a streaming situation uh, as well if he plays well in the first month of the season. I remember that game. Brian Hoyer had like this unbelievable fourth quarter against the Falcons. I'm like, yeah, this makes sense. You know, Brian Hoyer <laughs> absolutely dropping dimes. Uh, the Jets. Jets coach said, uh, Todd, Todd Bowles said that there's going to be an open competition at quarterback after they signed Josh McCown. He's going to compete with Bryce Petty and Christian Hackenberg. I would imagine if the, if this is the Jets quarterback depth chart, John, that Josh McCown's going to be the starter next year. What do you think? Yeah, I think as long as he's healthy, he can be. And he's, he had a, his best stint was with Mark Tressman in Chicago. Uh, since other than that, though, he's just not been a very good NFL quarterback. He's a good, uh, good leader in the clubhouse and he's a you know good tutor for a younger quarterback. So I think they're kind of looking at him as a, as a stopgap uh, there. Uh, I would have preferred to see somebody like Jay Cutler land there uh, for, uh, for Eric Decker's sake um, because Cutler at least has, you know, the ability to, to whip the ball around and, and uh, maybe too much, uh, but he could focus in on one or two guys and get the ball to him. Uh, I don't know you know what the McCown thing really means for Decker. It does look like Decker is going to be healthy. He's like the reason I'm talking about Decker so much is because he's uh, one of my favorite uh, fantasy players. He's always underrated and he has having a great year last year until the injuries. And it looks like he's gonna be ready for training camp. Um, so just wonder if there's going to be a quarterback there that can get him the ball. 
What, any thoughts on the three guys, the three main guys that are remaining? Colin Kaepernick, RG3, and Smoking Jay Cutler. Yeah, those those are our, you know, this is the situation where the there's only so many seats. Uh, this is musical chairs and the music's about to stop. And is there uh, a starting job for these guys? And it's starting to look like, you know, one or more of them are not going to, I think RG3 is probably the least likely to find a, a starting opportunity. Um, Colin Kaepernick at least had his moments last year. He can do things with his legs. Jay Cutler, somebody might take a chance on him. Uh, there's an injury, perhaps they bring in these guys, or you kind of have to wait and see where they land. And, and are they in a position where they're the clear backup, or are they in a position where the, the, the starter is vulnerable and, the, and these guys could beat them out? Uh, that's what you're kind of waiting on now uh, as free agency continues into the summer. Let's move on to running backs. We'll start with Eddie Lacy, your former running back in Green Bay. He signs with Seattle, and there was a report that emerged immediately after he signed that he weighed like 260-some-odd pounds. Now, come as we've come to realize or come to know, Pete Carroll and the Seahawks put certain weight markers in place for Lacy that as soon as he gets down to 250, then 240, he'll, he'll get certain bonuses within that contract. What do you think about the fit with Lacey going into Seattle, and how does that affect guys like Thomas Rawl and C- Rawls and C.J. Procise? Well, I think Lacey's the most talented running back there, uh, just purely running the ball. He's not that great in the receiving game, but he's okay. Uh, I think Procise will take that over, and then Rawls kind of goes to the bench and is, is Lacey's backup, assuming Lacey's weight is under control. I think he's a good running back when he's – uh, pretty fit. And he was over five yards per carry, I think, last year prior to the foot injury, five games. He was uh, just didn't have any touchdowns, which is what kind of hurt his fantasy numbers. But from a yardage standpoint, he was doing well. Uh, in 20 games the last two years, he's averaged 67 yards, 14.1 touches. Uh, so uh, I think the problem with Seattle is that the running game kind of took a dip because the offensive line struggling. And until they get that all sorted out, I don't think there's going to be a really good fantasy running back coming out of, out of Seattle. We'll talk a little bit, too, about Rex Burkhead, who signs with New England, and he's, he joins a crowded backfield. But if New England's signing you, clearly there's going to be a role for you. So do you like the fit with Burkhead going to New England? Yeah, by the way, we're we're sort of listing these these players in order of their average salary. So Burkhead actually has the second most uh, – uh, average salary uh, of the running backs. And that, I thought that was interesting when you're looking at the Patriots. This is, I think, the most that they've spent on a running back in, in quite a while. Um, so Burkhead comes in. Garrett Blunt's still a free agent. Blunt's uh, yards per carry was down last year, although he had a ton of touchdowns. Uh, if, if they, if they don't re-sign Blunt, and Burkhead goes into the, the season as the biggest back, it, it looks like he's going to be the goal line back. So he has like blunt value just from that. And then on top of it, he's uh, good in the passing game. Uh, he, he proved at the end of last year uh, with his 29 touch, 144 yard, two touchdown uh, effort against the Ravens in week 17 uh, with both Jeremy Hill and uh, Giovanni Bernard out uh, that he could be the man. Uh, I think more likely we're going to see a committee with uh, Burkhead, uh, uh, Deion Lewis and James White, uh, I think Lewis and Burkhead probably have the inside track to split most of the touches with James White coming in and doing some receiving. 
Um, but we're probably looking at a committee, but of the three, Burkhead certainly has the best chance to, to, to rush for touchdowns. And he's also a, a pretty good in the passing game. So I'm pretty uh, optimistic about him, especially if he's available in the seventh, eighth, ninth round of fantasy drafts. When Danny Woodhead signed with the Ravens, a lot of people thought, well, this doesn't make a lot of sense. But when Kenneth Dixon was hit with that four-game suspension for PEDs, the more the signing kind of uh, resonated with people. So Woodhead, if he can stay healthy, and he is coming off the ACL injury, if he can stay healthy, he's certainly going to get a lot of a lot of work in the passing game in Baltimore. Yeah, this is one of those situations where he got injured very early in the season after a great start, which was another heartbreaking loss for my fantasy teams. Uh, but the fact that he got injured in September uh, helps his chances of being ready to go and for camp. Uh, apparently, he's ahead of schedule uh, and all that. So uh, he's going to come in and immediately be the, the best PPR back there, uh, especially with Dixon uh, suspended for four games. So... Um, I think John Harbaugh came out and said that uh, Terrence West was currently the RB1 there. Um, so I'm expecting a committee with him and Woodhead and Woodhead doing his his uh, eight or so carry, uh, five, four or five, six catches per game there to start the season. And uh, we'll see how it transpires from there. But I think if he's healthy, he's going to be a PPR uh, factor once again. I was a little surprised that the Raiders allowed Latavius Murray to hit hit the open market and the Vikings snatched him up on a three-year deal for $15 million, and the deal can actually be a, be voided after one season. Adrian Peterson's now gone in Minnesota. The The Vikings had no semblance of a running game last year. So at least Murray is going to get the opportunities, John, but the question is, can he stay healthy? Yeah, and uh, the, 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 the Vikings couldn't run the ball, um, so that was a problem. Their running backs averaged 3.2 yards per carry. Uh, Murray himself wasn't all that good last year behind a very good offensive line in Oakland. He averaged four yards per carry, 4.0. Uh, you look at the other two running backs in Oakland, DeAndre Washington and Jalen Richard, uh, combined for 5.6 yards per carry. So I think that's why they let Murray walk is, uh, they just weren't getting the production that they felt that they should get out of him given what the other running backs were doing on the roster. So I don't think this is a very good fit for Murray. He's, he's joining a team with a, that can't run the ball and he isn't particularly uh, efficient, uh, in the last couple seasons running the ball himself. So he's going to get the, uh, get the red zone carries probably Matt Asiata, uh, is probably out of the picture there. Uh, Jarek McKinnon takes a, a hit because he, you know, was actually uh, fairly efficient in his chances given what was going on there with the offensive line. Uh, but with Murray coming in, he's going to, you know, Murray's going to see 10 to 15 carries. So that means uh, McKinnon's uh, touches are going to go way down, but he's a pretty good passing uh, down back. So he'll, he'll sort of be a PPR factor. Uh, but I'm not excited about this backfield at all, given, uh, given what's happened here Uh and, and how they played uh, last year behind that offensive line. I've always liked Jaquiz Rogers, John. He signs with Tampa Bay. Doug Martin's going to be suspended early on, but if Martin winds up taking a back seat to, to Rogers, maybe Rogers becomes a little bit of a sleeper in the later rounds of your fantasy draft next year. Yeah, he's going, uh, let's see, he's going pick 187 in uh, MFL 10, so that's uh, 16th round. Uh, wow. I think he's a just a, Fantastic value at that point. Uh, they signed him uh, fairly quickly after free agency. There was rumors that you know he was already ready to resign prior to the free agency starting. Uh, they gave him pretty decent money uh, for a backup, and he outplayed Martin last year. 
he's going to start the season as the starter. So he's got four games to uh, sort of stake his claim on the job. He played ahead of Charles Sims when both were healthy late last year. Uh, and he's seen at least 12 carries in seven games over the last four years. And in those games, he's averaged 97 total yards, 0.57 touchdowns on 22.2 touches. So that's a 4.25 yards per carry. You know, if you look at his stats going back, even to Atlanta, uh, he, his yards per carry isn't impressive, but the guys that were the starters in Atlanta, you know, where he, where he was backing up otherwise, uh, he, he outplayed them or matched their yards per carry. So it wasn't like he was playing in a great running game and, and came in and stunk it up. It was just the teams he played for, uh, you know, had Michael Turner, Steven Jackson, those Atlanta teams, those guys didn't set the world on fire either. Uh, and he, he did okay, uh, behind the same line. So I think if he's, uh, if they don't draft a stud and we're kind of going into the season with Doug Martin coming off of suspension in October, I think Rogers is your starter in Tampa and he's got a real chance to, to kind of earn that job and, and be a real surprise, uh, in the later rounds. And I think he's, you know, he should be more like a ninth, 10th round, uh, pick instead of, of going in the uh, 16th round right now. Jamal Charles, Adrian Peterson, Laguerre Blunt have yet to find homes. Any thoughts on these guys? Yeah, I think teams might be waiting on Charles to sort of see how his health is is shaping up. Um, he's a, got a career five-plus yards per carry, so I think he could lose a step and still be pretty awesome. But the question is, how healthy are those knees? I'm interested to see where he lands. These are the three guys that, if they land somewhere, they're going to change the uh, – the backfield wherever they land uh, pretty significantly. I don't, I, I would rather have Charles. He's more versatile, um, faster. I think Adrian Peterson struggles to run out of the shotgun and, the, and so much of the league has, has switched over to uh, using the shotgun 60, 70% of the time. Uh, so he's kind of played it. Uh, his, his game is kind of played and faded from, from the NFL in a way. And then LeGarrette Blunt uh, did so well for the Patriots in terms of his scoring. And he was a top 10 fantasy back because of all his touchdowns. But he was under four yards per carry last year. And, uh, you know, it remains to be seen whether or not they bring him back. If they do, then obviously shift the backfield uh, away from Rex Burkhead. And now you have Blunt as the, the likely goal line back. And you really don't know what's going to happen in any given week in the Patriots backfield. Before we hit the wide receivers, I'd like to mention that 4 for 4 subscribers can win one of 50 free $10 MFL 10 entries if they sign up to 4 for 4 by March 31st, which is in two days. We're recording on March 29th. Early bird pricing is going on now, and it's the lowest price of the season, $24 for a classic subscription, $49 for a pro subscription. That gets you unlimited use of Draft Analyzer, Auction Analyzer, and League Sync. Finally, a DFS subscription is $79, normally priced at $119, which gets you everything in the pro subscription, plus all of 444's fantastic DFS content, including the lineup generator, value tables, stack reports, and weekly picks from Chris Raybon. It's all fantastic information. If you've used it in the past, you're well aware of that. You can sign up using the link in John's profile on his Twitter page, you can find John at 444 underscore John or by going to 444.com. Once you're signed up, look for that pinned tweet at the top of John's profile. That's a link to a form to register for the MFL 10 giveaway. Find out and then uh, you're done. Or fill it out, excuse me. Fill it out and then you're done. Yeah, and this is open to anybody who's subscribed this year. So it, you don't have to subscribe between now and, and the 31st. You, if you, if you're already re-upped in January, go, go find the form, fill it out. You might win a, win an entry to the MFL 10.
It's next to awesome. 10 bucks. Yeah. A cool 10 bucks. There you go. It's an awesome deal. Let's talk about those wide receivers. We'll start off with Deshaun Jackson. He's the headliner. He goes to Tampa Bay. I absolutely love the fit from an on-field standpoint. You got Mike Evans on one side. You got Jameis Winston, who's a quarterback entering his third year, could have a breakout season after two very productive uh, seasons, John. And now you've got the deep element in Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, this is certainly a bump for Jameis Winston in my first iteration of my uh, quarterback rankings, I wasn't terribly high on him, but this has bumped him up a few spots. Uh, if you look at Kirk Cousins' splits with and without D-Jacks, uh, 294 yards, 1.7 touchdowns, 8.42 yards per attempt in 30 games uh, with uh, Deshaun Jackson over the last three years. Uh, in the eight games without Deshaun Jackson, he averaged 1.6 touchdowns, 247 yards, and 7.41 yards per attempt. So a full yard, full one yard per attempt more with Jackson on the field. That just goes to show what his speed can, can do for an offense. I think it opens everything up. It'll open up, uh, Mike Evans. It'll open up, uh, Cameron Brait in the middle and it'll really help, uh, uh, Jameis Winston as well. The question with Jackson in terms of his own fantasy value is how healthy can he stay? Because when he's healthy, he's a top 20, 25 fantasy back, but when he's, uh, he, but he gets dinged up so much that he ends up missing a few games or he's uh, limited or he's questionable. You don't know if he's going to play. Uh, he ends up dropping in, uh, in the rankings to the 40s, uh, and that's uh, kind of where I have him right now. John, uh, when you look at Pierre Garçon, it's, the 49ers absolutely needed talent, so it's a, it's a nice signing. He winds up in San Francisco, winds up playing for his former offensive coordinator, Kyle Shanahan now, who's the head coach there, but no quarterback. This could be an issue. we we talked about how great brian hoyer is uh the thing i like about garcon i think in a ppr league he's going to give you a nice floor because the 49ers are going to be bad they're going to have to throw the ball more than they would like uh garcon in his last uh season with cal shanahan uh in washington he caught 113 passes for 1346 yards and five touchdowns so uh, lots of yards lots of catches uh, that's lots of PR points. Even if the touchdowns aren't there, you can count on Garcon uh, to maybe become the new uh, Anquan Bolden, uh, where he gets a he's, he's real valuable in, the, in uh, PPR formats and um, maybe doesn't have as many touchdowns as you'd like, but uh, he's giving you that that baseline uh, 10, 12, 14 points uh, in most leagues. Uh, they spent a lot of money on him, so I think it's pretty clear that they're going to use him quite a bit. Uh, and he's been pretty consistent over his career, and he's joining a. Uh, rejoining uh, Shanahan, and if Shanahan can uh, uh, prove that he can scheme uh, with lower talent than he had in Atlanta, I mean, he doesn't have Julio Jones and Matt Ryan, um, so that's a problem. Uh, but uh, they're not also not going to be uh, leading as much, so they are going to have to throw the ball. Let's talk about the two eagle, two new Eagles wide receivers. I like what they did here in taking Alshon Jeffrey on a one-year prove-it deal and then also adding Torrey Smith. What do you think about those two lining up with Carson Wentz in his second full season. Yeah, this is a significant upgrade over uh, Doriel Green, Beckham, and Nelson Aguilar uh, with with Jeffrey and Smith. And suddenly, uh, Carson Wentz has a good uh, receiving core. Jeffrey, Torrey Smith is a deep threat. You have uh, Jordan Matthews. You have uh, Zach Ertz uh, at tight end. I mean, this is – and then Darren Sproles out of the backfield. I mean, this is a really good uh, group of receivers if everybody stays healthy. Um I think Jeffrey is the should be the highest ranked one. He is uh, Torrey Smith. I think is going to, is going to be uh, mainly a deep threat. I don't know if, how much how many targets he's going to get. 
maybe as the third or fourth option, but he's going to, his presence is going to be felt in that offense because of his, his speed. Uh, and then Jordan Matthews still is going to get a considerable number of targets in the slot and then the Ertz as well. So, uh, it may, unless this turns into a juggernaut offense, you know, a couple of these guys are going to have disappointing seasons, uh, relative to what we would expect, uh, in previous years. But, um, for the offense as a whole, this is these are two really good signings, and it's obviously really good for Carson Wentz. About the only player that had a good season for the Rams offensively last year was Kenny Britt. I mean, he had a quiet year, but he was very productive as a wide receiver. Three, John, he winds up in Cleveland. Yep, four point five catches for sixty seven yards, point three three touchdowns. Uh, those are you know those are you look at it like hey, those are pretty good numbers. But if you look at his quarterbacks, Case Keenum and Jared Goff. Uh, the league's worst passing game last year. Uh, he's actually done pretty well the last couple of years, uh, in this, in this terrible passing game. And now he's joining the, the, the Browns. Um, and, uh, Terrell Pryor's gone. So he's him and, uh, you know, Corey Coleman look like they're going to be the top two receivers there, depending on what happens with, uh, uh, Josh Gordon. Um, but, uh, you know, Britt has outperformed his draft position for the last couple of years. And I think he might do so again, uh, assuming he's the, a starter there in Cleveland. Robert Woods signs with the Rams. Speaking of them, and um, I don't <laughs> He's struggling, struggling to struggling to figure out what to say about about I, Robert Woods. You know, good for him for getting for getting such a, a big deal, John. But I'll tell you one player I'm not going to be drafting in fantasy leagues next year. It's going to be Robert Woods. I've got zero uh, interest in him as a fantasy player. Well, he's got a, a reputation for being a really good run blocker. So this is good, oh, for, good. Todd, for Todd Gurley, who uh, struggled with his run blocking last year. Uh, Woods uh, has at least 550 receiving yards each of his first four seasons. He's turning 25 or 26. Uh, I forget which one, but he's still pretty young. Uh, this is not a good situation for him to join other than the fact that he got a really good contract. Uh, but, uh, you know, him and uh, Tavon Austin – uh, figure to be the top two receivers there at this point, unless they, they draft another uh, receiver. Uh, fantasy wise, you know, he is ranked in the seventies. I think I, I'm not too optimistic about this, uh, <laughs> this position for him. I'm with you. So Terrell Pryor, who completely remade himself as a wide receiver after being a quarterback at Ohio state. And he bounced around the league a couple of, uh, a little bit. And he was a quarterback really with the Raiders for a game or two. He signed with the, Redskins on a one-year deal, $6 million contract. I kind of like the fit. I, I'm intrigued by Pryor. I thought he wound up being a pretty good wide receiver last year. Yeah, I think he's a good replacement for Deshaun Jackson, and he's big. Um, and I think Jay Gruden was talking about throwing fade, you know, more fades this year with, with Pryor available. Uh, his, his receiving core is a bit bigger. The question I have is uh, when receivers change teams – uh, generally, they don't produce as well with their new team unless they're seeing an upgrade in quarterback, which Pryor will see this year with Kirk Cousins, uh, or uh, in role in terms of the number of targets they're getting. I'm not sure he's going to see an upgrade there. Um, this could turn into a really nice fantasy connection between Cousins and Pryor. The question is how much uh, chemistry are they going to be able to build? Is Cousins um, totally committed given everything that's going on with him? And his situation in Washington, he kind of wants to get out of there, it seems. Is he really going to uh, spend the time necessary to develop uh, you know, chemistry with Terrell Pryor's new receivers? Um, 
that's that's sort of the what I'm what I'm looking for. I'm looking for some reports that he's called prior to whatever town to to work on their game and 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 to start develop that chemistry before I start moving prior up the prior up the rankings. I just feel like uh, when receivers change teams, I generally shy away unless they're seeing an upgrade in targets or uh, quarterback. I love the signing of Brandon Marshall. I think he's got such good potential as a wide receiver too. Now that he's with the Giants playing opposite of Odell Beckham Jr. in a pass-happy offense. There's one massive caveat, though, and that's Eli Manning, who did not play well a year ago. This is one of those signings, John, where I really like it on paper, but I wouldn't be surprised if Marshall let a lot of fantasy owners down next year if they if they wind up drafting him higher than what he should go. Yeah, I think this is a situation where Marshall should be moving to the slot, but they played Sterling Shepard in the slot last year, and I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, it really worked well for Larry Fitzgerald, and it's extended Fitzgerald's career moving to the slot. I don't know if Marshall is open to, open to it or if they're thinking about it. Uh, he's one year removed from 109 catch, 1,500 yard, uh, 14, 14 touchdown season with Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing the ball. So, uh, so it's, it's not inconceivable that he has a top 20 uh, fantasy season in PPR, PPR formats. Um, um, but as you mentioned, uh, Eli, uh, Eli not played particularly well last year. Last year. And, uh, uh, this this signing, signing is bad news bad for Shepard. Shepard. Uh, 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 probably not going to see a target, target or so. Or so. Um, um, this year with Marshall drawing the fray. Um, um, yeah, I think Marshall is looking, looking in PPR formats anyway, is looking at uh, maybe wide receiver three type numbers. It's, it's certainly good for Odell Beckham uh, having another player of Marshall's caliber. If he can stay healthy, I think he'll, he'll end up being uh, a fancy starter. Marcus Wheaton winds up signing with the Chicago Bears, and and they, of course, lost Alshon Jeffrey, who we talked about before. Uh, They do have Kevin White, who hasn't lived up to the billing thus far as a former top-ten pick. He's he's had some injury issues and things like that. But Wheaton's going to get a chance to work in that that same depth depth chart that also includes Cameron Meredith, who I mentioned before. I don't really know what the the upside here is with Wheaton, but he winds up with the Bears. Yeah, he's he's here on the list because he was slightly ahead of Torrey Smith in terms of his average uh, yearly uh, salary, uh, according to SpotTrack.com. So, uh, we don't need to spend a lot of time on Marcus Wheaton, although he did play well 2014-2015. Uh, he had 97 catches, 1,393 yards, seven touchdowns, and he was very good in the slot when he was – I remember we, we might have talked about this on the pod before, but heading into last year, uh, I was kind of bullish on him because I th- thought he might be the slot receiver, but he ended up moving outside. Uh, and it didn't work out, and he basically got injured, and they gave up on him. Uh, we'll see where he ends up uh, playing for the Bears, but it seems with Kendall Wright, Marcus Wheaton, they're they're kind of throwing uh, some stuff against some young receivers against the wall, and, and to see if anything sticks, and and that's sort of where they're at with after losing uh, Elshon Jeffrey. Other signings included Ted Ginn heading to New Orleans, Brian Quick heading to Washington, and Kamar Aiken, who was. One of those sleepers for a while in Baltimore, he goes to the Indianapolis Colts. Any thoughts on these guys? Yeah, I mean, Ted Ginn joining uh, Drew Brees uh, is interesting to me. I think in a best ball format, he's got more stock, you know, holds more value because you just don't know when he's going to produce. But they lost uh, Brandon Cooks. Uh, so now you have uh, uh, Michael Thomas um, as the primary receiver, uh, Willie Sneed. And I think Ted Ginn is there as the third receiver, the deep threat. And he's going to have some big games uh, on the fast track uh, New Orleans there. I, I expect Ginn will be uh, a surprising uh, a player at times, <laughs> just like he is typically. But Brian Quick, sure. uh, 
joining the the Redskins after you know they lost Pierre Garçon. Um, they're getting Josh Dotson back, uh, uh, Jamison Crowder, and then obviously uh, Terrell Pryor. So he's in the mix there as there's wide receiver three, wide receiver four there. He's, he's getting a big upgrade in quarterback. Uh, so we'll see if he's able to to win starter snaps. And if he is, then he'll suddenly be in the in the mix. And he's a bigger player, so he could catch some touchdowns as well. And Ka- Kamar Aiken uh, looks like they were not real happy with uh, Philip Dorsett's play. Uh, and it looks like Aiken has the inside track on the number three receiver job there in Indianapolis. And that could be a fairly productive uh, position for him, especially if, if T.Y. Hilton or uh, Dante Moncrief uh, go down with an injury. Vincent uh, Jackson, Victor Cruz, Stevie Johnson, Michael Floyd, Anquan Bolden, they're still searching for new homes. Is there one name specifically that you're really following as a fantasy football owner? Well, these are mostly older guys, except for Floyd. Uh, but Bolden, I think, is the most productive of this group at this point. Um, but the, the guy that's sort of interesting to me is Michael Floyd. I, you know, two years ago, there was a lot of like anticipation about when he hit free agency, what would happen, but he has not had much nibble at all. I think he's in jail or for the DUI or he's out of jail. He's in, you know, locked into his house or whatever. He's on home, whatever it's called, home, uh, home arrest, home yeah. arrest or whatever. Uh, so. Will he, uh, I mean, it seems like he should land somewhere. He did, he did go to, uh, the, the Patriots and, but didn't do much there. Does, is there another team out there that wants to take a roll of dice with him? Cause he did have, uh, some big fantasy games, uh, while in Arizona and just kind of his, his star has kind of faded over the last uh, season or so. Let's wrap it all up, John, with tight ends. Martellus Bennett, what do you think? He's, he's a Green Bay Packer now after Jared Cook, uh, really kind of balked at the offer that, the Packers offered him, and Ted Thompson turned around and signed Martellus Bennett. Yeah, it looks like they did the old switcheroo. Uh, they they had Cook. Uh, well, they were doing uh, negotiations with, with negotiating with Cook, and then he kind of balked at their price, and uh, then he turned around and signed Bennett. And uh, I I think Cook is the better athlete, but I think Bennett is the better all around tight end. And, and he was playing injured last year. He finished uh, as the number ten fantasy tight end. So from a fantasy standpoint, this is a fantastic fit for Martellus Bennett, uh, for Aaron Rodgers, for the passing offense of the Packers. Uh, we can just go ahead and talk about Jared Cook as well, since he's the other big signing. Uh, he going to Oakland. Um, he he was productive. The final ten games, including the playoffs with the Packers, he averaged four point two catches, fifty five yards, point three touchdowns. He had the big catch against the the Cowboys uh, in the playoff game. Uh, he was a low end tight end, one with those numbers. Uh, the the issue with Oakland is that they just have not used the position much. Clive Walford was barely involved. Uh, that may change now that they have Cook. I mean, they obviously went out uh, and signed him for a reason. He's a fantastic athlete, and if he stays healthy, um, you know, Derek Carr could. Uh, uh, be able to, to, to use him uh, more than he did Walford. Uh, and that would open things up for Michael Crabtree and, and, uh, Mark Cooper as well. So, uh, I'm not, I'm more excited about Ben than I am about Cook, but, uh, both signings look like good fits for their offenses. And then finally, Deion Simmons. Sims was throwing a lot of money. He's a good blocking side end, but he's not somebody that's going to tear it up. He's not a great playmaker. Nevertheless, the Bears signed him to a three year contract. For 18 million guarantee, what does this mean for Zach Miller? I think Zach Miller is still the starter there. He, Zach Miller is going very late in fantasy drafts. It seems like people have written him off. I don't know if it's the injury situation or if it's the fact that the quarter his quarterback's gone. Uh, Jay Cutler is is looking for a job, so that might be the issue. But I think Miller still starts uh, with Sims is kind of serving as the primary blocking tight end. John, always good to hear your voice, man. It's been a long off season, and uh, certainly it was a long Super Bowl. But looking forward to the. <laughs> 
<laughs> Looking forward to the new season coming up, man. Yeah, we need to turn the page from last year, and, and you know, we all have the same chance to get a Super Bowl uh, this coming year. So let's uh, let's turn the page and put that pass behind us, Anthony. What do you say? Well said. Yeah, definitely. I'm 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 <laughs> game for that. That about wraps up free agency to this point. We'll record another podcast in early May to discuss the fantasy implications of the draft, which happens at the end of April. Hey, be sure to sign up to 444.com before March 31st to get your chance to win one of fifty ten dollar MFL ten dollar uh, ten entries. That's fifty ten dollar. MFL 10 entries. Uh, it's a great, great deal. And we, we went over earlier all the benefits of that. And we'll see you next time on 444.com. It's the most accurate podcast.